know what they want maybe they won't who could say no one knows nobody knows because no one sends us any emails that's a lie we have two emails so far but we have two emails two emails seven episodes this is something's wrong (laughs) i need the math it doesn't add up. the ratio is off yeah i need at least one to one hi ken Uh uh-uh well i was wait you just starting to chat i know but you give me a signal you know oh my god okay hi car hi ken Hi, Hi friends. friends. Welcome back. Here Welcome we are. Welcome back to this podcast. Yep. Yeah. Another so, day. Another dollar. We're just right out of the gate talking about emails. So <laughs> that is a cue to you <laughs> to send it in. Send it in. Smash that send button. <laughs> also, smash the keyboard. Yeah. Why do people say smash? Is it like they, they want you to like emphatically I feel like you're dating the, yourself here, or you're okay. aging. Your, it's like you're you're not hip is showing. Oh dang! It's just it's like a it's just a th- it's a millennial thing. Mm. Just like how just like yeah, like do it as many times as you can. How like smash when it I was like, a over kid. and over and over and over like that. All right. Yeah. Like when I was a kid and um, uh, our friends like you'd greet your friends by saying what's up, mm-hmm. and my mom was always like, I don't know why you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Okay. Well. Also, to me, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But to me, what's up makes sense. Yeah, but that's because it's a that's a generational. Thing. Well, what it like? What is up? What what has been happening? How does that not make sense? I even think grammatically it makes sense. What is what up with you? Yeah, and then you abbreviate it. What's up? What's up? Or for, as you like to say, what's up? Right. <laughs> Which I've again have failed at bringing back. Yeah, you haven't brought it back one time. It's since gone. We the moment's about gone. It, it right. passed. Well, well, yeah. nobody cares. Sweet, sweet memories. Yep, a fonder time. Yeah. Um, Trader Joe's used to make this beer called Simpler Times. Oh, do you yeah, remember? I remember it? that. It's like the worst beer of all time. Yeah. But every time I would drink it, like in my college years, even though I wasn't in college mm-hmm. that period of my life, I would crack one and go, "Ah, the Simpler Times." <laughs> every time. It's like five dollars for a six pack. Mm. Do they not make it anymore? I don't. I don't know. Maybe they do, and maybe it's gotten better. But when it came out originally, it was god awful. You think it was worse than like Keystone Light? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I never got into Keystone. I was a Bush girl. <laughs> Bush Light. What about uh, Natty Ice? Oh, I drank some. I drank quite a lot of Natty Ice. Pretty much anything ice. Mm for for like a, a young a young teen was hot yeah cutting edge it was cutting edge <laughs> um and now i prefer bud light oh yeah so i've not gone i've not grown too much no yeah you haven't strayed too years. far from your true yeah. self yeah, yeah it's been a it's been a slow journey you know what you just like an economic refreshing Guess lager what? i found out that so everybody Everybody in my life knows that I love this, but you don't know, so I'm letting you oh know. Oh my gosh. Well, you know oh, you, Car. Me, I'm talking not to the listeners. You are friends. Okay. Yeah, you are friends don't know this because we haven't talked about it yet, but it's coming up on summertime. And um I love Bud Light Lime. Blime. Yeah. Blime Lime. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They make a Bud Light Orange now. <gasps> I saw it at Grocery Outlet. Ooh la la. Bargain market. Grocery outlet, bargain market. Close. What? How, Grocery you, outlet. 
bargain market. Okay. You just yeah. missed the first I part. just, yeah. It's fine. I live close to it, so it's like I... You do. I, the jingles comes it's up on my commercials probably more often than mm-hmm. yours. Um. So wait, are, have you gotten it yet? Are you going to No, get I almost it? got it the other day, but it was not in the mood. Dang. Do you think that that's... It's going to taste like a... um? What is that? A brass monkey? No, I don't think it's going to taste like a brass monkey because it's it's not it's not pulpy it's like bud light lime that it's like it's just like lime essence essence. yeah (laughs) so it's orange essence i love an essence in a beverage yeah yeah so i i don't know if you know this kendra me definitely the friends don't know it um uh, a few years ago i tried to make a soda called carl's pop i remember this yeah and it was going to be an orange soda yeah and I worked on the recipe for a while, and I got to a point where it tasted okay. But what I was really struggling with was how to get that essence flavor in mm. there. Because um, I could do the acid and the orange and the sugar. Yeah. But there's that missing element of What were you trying to essence. make this for? For bait shop. Oh. I was going to make an orange soda for bait shop, and we were going to sell it. This was like when we first opened. Yeah. Um, And I just, I think about that sometimes and I'm like, you know. I mean. I don't know how how I couldn't get there. It's it's the essence. If anybody has any essence tips, let me know. Yeah, hook it up. Yeah. Because also what would be tight is if we made our own seltzer. Oh. And that's. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not into it. (laughs) <laughs> for myself you know like i'm not passionate about soda enough to mm. want to do it yeah i'm also not passionate about seltzer enough to want to make mm. seltzer okay i mean like do you mean flavored seltzer yeah yeah i mostly it's oils i think yeah. it's like essence really oil. just means oil yeah yeah pretty sure it's oil all right mm-hmm. well, and and also rind yeah, but the rind, the oil is where comes you, yeah, from the yeah. rind. So it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. What I was going to say is if you have any tips about essence, which I think now we've uncovered, we maybe don't need the tips, <laughs> uh, but you didn't know how to get them to us, uh, you could send an email. Oh my God, look at that. That would be a way you could send uh, something to us. Yeah. Doing good at gmail.com. Yeah. Sponsored by Gmail. <laughs> We're not sponsored by We're Gmail. Not, but Gmail, if you're listening. We'll take a sponsorship. We'll take a sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's let's stop this. Let's move on. <laughs> this is boring. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so um, Kendra and I were talking about what we wanted to, to talk about this week. And uh, I'd been uh, mentioning sort of a, some, a point of reflection. And uh, Kendra was like, well, maybe we should talk about that. So guess what? We're going to do it. Uh, Kendra? Yes. <laughs> I was just staring at the computer. Yeah. Making I, sure our levels look good. They look great. Want to make great. sure that when we reflect this, this story is captured <laughs> through sound waves. Uh, I'm going to do most of the talking. So I was trying to get Kendra to. to oh, chime in. Yeah. That was I my cue. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Um, I mean, I'll chime in. The, yeah. the, there right. will be points, but you know, this story is not uh, about me, so. So, okay, fine. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I went, last Sunday, I went to the birthday party of Margaret, my, uh, two of my best friend's daughter. She turned three. Um, Little kid birthdays are 
really fun. <laughs> Particularly now, three years old, they're like actually doing things now. So uh, it's pretty cute. But I uh, had a, a year before when Margaret turned two, um, it was what I can refer to now that that day as sort of the beginning of uh, this this like shift um, what uh, what had like unfolded to be a very big next chapter of my life um, in terms of uh, journeying yeah mm-hmm. figuring stuff out yeah yeah so since it's been a year I've been thinking about that a lot um, and I've mentioned that 2017 was like not a great year for me and and this this journey has been part of it it's not a negative thing but Mm. there's been some pretty hard parts um and uh and uh so we're gonna talk about that yeah i um i wrote an essay for a magazine called lollipop that a friend of mine was was producing and um we wound up uh, not getting the funding to publish a physical copy. So um, the essay was still published online, and um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if anybody's ever read it, but we're gonna read it now. Yeah. So if you are looking for some jokes and laughter, uh, skip ahead about twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a little lollipop thing. If you are. Uh, Curious, we will just say it's a parenting blog. Oh, now, yeah, which that's is important. Cool. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's actually, I mean, it's really tight. Like the, I'm not a parent, and the content is still some fire content for me to mm. look at. So it's cool. You should just like pop on on over there to Lollipop. Yeah, I think probably just dot com. I don't know where Lollipop Magazine. Yeah. Dot us i think just google that yeah and, you know you'll get there you'll get there yeah anyways <laughs> go ahead all right so um so here we go pulling it up uh so in this story you will hear my friend referred to a lot and that friend <laughs> is kendra um i forgot about that <laughs> yeah you're like really in here so yeah. um oh no yeah uh, but I wanted minutes to, of fame, to be anonymous, so I just called you my friend. Yeah. It's, That's all right. It's all right. I'm cool with that. We all know now. It's Kendra. Okay, so uh, this essay is called The New Time. The series of events went like this. I pitched the concept of this article months past the deadline and with almost no specificity of content, a gentle nod at self-sabotage. For good measure, I added that it would have the same tone as the formless personal blog I used to write, but have not in years. I expected the editor-in-chief to come back with a how about next time, or at least some questions to clarify what I wanted to write about. She did not. She said, sounds great, and I'll give you as much space as you need, and I'll find an artist to do amazing visuals for you. Shit. She said yes, despite all the traps my saboteur laid out, and I was committed without having to prove any value of what I wanted to say. This is what was greenlit. A column about a woman in her fertile prime who has a lot of fears and phobias about parenthood based on her own childhood experience and is also grappling with the balance of artistic professional pursuit and the pursuit of family. Weeks passed. 
I did nothing. Except build stress around the concept that it is indulgent to write about my own experience and who cares about it anyway. And if I write something and it's published, boy, won't it be evident what a failure I really am. And shouldn't I be so careful not to say anything to disrespect the amazing job my parents did? And shouldn't I be more careful still to respectfully represent the feelings and opinions of my partner if I'm going to drag him into the subject of my public project? And dear God, I'm pretty sure there's absolutely anything I could be doing right now other than figuring this out. On a Sunday, I went to a birthday party for a two-year-old, surrounded by my peers and all their small, beautiful people, and a bubble machine and cupcakes and coffee and a gentle rain and dozens of smiling eyes, all asking when, and yet another conversation with my husband about what we would and would not do as parents and I felt so alone, like a small boat casting off the shores of my own life experience and drifting away from even the person I am closest to in this world. The feeling of solitude and loneliness seemed selfish and intangible, so I kept playing my role as the effusive social clown and said nothing of it. Monday, I woke up with a knowing, stronger and more true than I have ever experienced before. I laid there in half-consciousness and greasy skin with a narrative running clearly through my head and the narrative was this. I do not trust myself to do what I need to do to have a joyful life and fulfill my purpose. I have already failed. Many, many times I have worried I might fail or could fail or even will fail, but never have I felt the truth that I had already failed more than I did in that moment. It was like the veil of all the coping mechanisms one develops to make it through adulthood had been lifted, and I was staring at the naked truth of my life. It was not a question, it was simply the way it was. On the boat, far from the shore, alone with the knowing of my failure. I started having an anxiety attack before my feet hit the floor, and it lasted all day. Tuesday, I took one of my most trusted friends with me to see a doctor. This is Kendra. This is not a detail I wanted to include in my story, but without it, there are holes, so here it is. I went to see a vanity doctor about the fat on my torso because I am an actor. A statement I cringe to make as there are a thousand ways it sounds pretentious and self-important, though it is also my occupational title. As an actor, my body is a tool and a calling card. As a film actor, the physical self is most impossible to hide. I have a petite frame and thusly get sent out for a lot of roles involving fitness or tight clothing. But I cannot make good on the promises of my body type because there is a stubborn amount of very soft fat on my stomach that rolls and jiggles in the breeze, which wardrobe stylists are constantly battling with when putting me in low-rise pants or silk tops or sports bras. While it is frustrating in my personal life, it is a liability in my career, and nothing I've done has made it go away. I had just been put on the shortlist for the role of a stripper in an internet series for a major TV network. While I made it through the audition and a callback hiding my stomach, I was positive if I booked the job, I would have to show it. And while playing a stripper on a new media TV series was not the opportunity of a lifetime, I really needed the credit. Welcome to being a working actor. 
So I was ready to dump some money into vanity so I could step onto camera in a bra and underwear if or when the time came. After a ton of research, I went to see a plastic surgeon about doing that fat-freezing thing the Kardashians do, confident it was the answer to my problem. I just wanted to know how much it would cost. My emotions were right-sized like my expectations, and I was ready to get practical because time was pressing on. Three specialists came in to inspect my body. How many children have you had? One of them asked. A lump in my throat appeared. I stared hard at my friend and groped for a joke. My history says none, but my body says at least one. I laughed, and they didn't. They delivered the news. It wasn't stubborn fat on my stomach like my years of research had led me to believe. It was loose skin. I was suddenly in a dream of not knowing my own body. I was confused. So were they. We do typically only see this in women postpartum especially for someone your size. I watched them searching for the reason. I wished I hadn't made the appointment. I stared hard at my friend whose eyes were kindly telling me she loved me and I should stop making jokes. I told myself not to cry until we got outside. I shamed myself for wanting to cry about something as inconsequential as loose skin. I shamed myself further for knowing it was about a lot more than loose skin. Have you lost a lot of weight? One of them searched. Had I? No, been this weight for many years. Oh, but yes, yes I had. And there it was, the resurgence of a memory of a time lasting so long I don't know how I had possibly forgotten. Well, yes, I guess so. The sentences ran quickly together. I gained 45 pounds very quickly in my mid-20s, and it all went to my chest and stomach, and I don't know why it happened, and I couldn't make it go away, and for a few years it was just like that, and then it went away, but that was years ago, so I don't know. At the end of the long, narrow tunnel of anxiety, I could hear them explaining the biology and science of collagen and skin and how as we age, drifting out there alone in my boat, staring back at my very far away friend and the vanity doctors, with my loose skin hanging below the waistline of my pants, all my morals and ideals and fortitude colliding with the sadness and the fear and the feeling of being out of control. We said thank you and left the doctor's office, and I sat in a courtyard where I cried for two hours and discussed that this moment was hard in a lot of ways beyond learning about my loose skin. So while I said this article is not about that, it kind of is, because on that Tuesday when I found out my body is unable to bounce back from weight loss because I am a woman of a certain age, the issue of my physical self perfectly linked the two biggest questions I have to answer before time runs out. Will I have children and when? Will I establish a career of value and fulfill my life's purpose? Wednesday was spent processing with my friend. Here's what we know. I believe I have a purpose for my life, and I always have, for my whole life, known what it is, which is a lot of time to build up expectations for oneself to do that thing. My life has been about the goals and dreams and needs surrounding the manifestation and fulfillment of that purpose, and of continually course-correcting towards what the true essence of that is. 
There have been other things, of course, other major journeys like the journey of partnership, the journey of self-care and coming to know myself, the journey of adult life, the journey of trying to take on another career and learning that I can't, in fact, do it all. But in all of these arenas, in all of the growing and journeying and dreaming and exhaustive processing, parenthood has lived as a hypothetical and far-off someday and maybe and generally vague, unexamined idea. And that was fine for a while. For so long, I answered the question of, so when are you going to have kids? With a confident, eventually, there's a lot of things I want to do first. The question got harder to answer the older I got and the more my body reminded me that time is not infinite. Buying a house did not help. Getting married did not help. Living in a society that loves a good box-checking formula, I have become a married woman of a certain age with a stable life. So if I'm not getting pregnant, it must mean I don't want to. And then I should just come out and say I don't want to so that people can easily check that box in the understanding of me as a human being. Explaining that I don't want to start that part of my life until I am in a different place in my career became cumbersome and difficult to tangibly get across to my partner and especially myself. It sounded like an excuse, though it felt like the truth. If not now, when? What needs to happen to get to that when? When is that when? For years, I worked on timelines and formulas and continued giving my husband assurances that it would for real happen. Because one thing we know is that while for me, the thing I've been working towards is whatever I can contribute with my art, the thing for him is family and community and children. I have not been fair to either of us in failing to acknowledge that I have all the control in both of our life dreams. In our early 20s, while I was still in the habit of being very convicted about the truth, I told him bluntly, I don't know if I want to have children. I might and I might not. And if I don't and you still want to be with me, you're going to have to be okay with it. In our mid-20s, after starting a journey of healing and therapy and blah, 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 I had this startling revelation that all the reasons I didn't want to have children, every single one of them, were based in fear. And that I absolutely could not know whether or not I wanted to have children based on fears. After unpacking that for several years, I landed on the truth that I see having children as a part of my story, and I absolutely am terrified to have a baby and ruin its life. Additionally, I don't view parenthood as anything that will complete me, something I have discovered is a very unpopular thing to say. Still clinging to the concept that perhaps doing something in my career will help me feel more ready, I watched as my closest friends started having babies, discovering their fertility challenges, and making daily concessions to best fit into their roles as parents. I listened more and more as I listened as more and more conversations became about how time is running out. I took notice as more of my auditions were roles for young mothers and less and less for college students. <clears throat> I obsessively noticed the wrinkles settling into my brow. And most of all, about a year ago, I could no longer distract myself from the glaring truth that I work in an industry that is incredibly ageist and I have accomplished almost nothing, and that I live in a body that is capable of growing a human being, but only for so long. My sense of time became oppressive. 
my panic to do something, anything, heightened. My understanding that if I had children without existing in my life in the way that I need to, I will feel resentful and unhappy was palatable. So on Wednesday, with her eyes focused out the window of my car, my friend quietly confirmed that I had to have this conversation with my husband. On Thursday, I woke up crying and did not stop crying. I drove to my parent friend's house and sat out front in my car. She texted me, are you parked in front of my house crying right now? I was. I could not stop. Did I want to talk about it? No. Did I even know what it was? No. I drove back home. I sent my husband a text. We need to talk and I'm very emotional and I just wanted to give you a heads up. Because everyone likes a little warning when they're walking into an emotional cyclone. <clears throat> I told him about the day I had the knowing I'd failed and the solitude at the baby birthday and the boat metaphor and that the anxiety meds weren't helping at all. I told him about the vanity doctors and the loose skin. I told him about not booking the part of the stripper and how I was relieved but angry at my lack of accomplishment. I told him I feel like I am living in a pressure cooker and I'm running out of time to create anything of value and I am running out of time to make a baby. I told him I feared that if I did not have a baby, we could not be married because I could never rob him of his dream. I told him I cannot imagine having a baby at this point in my life because the only thing I have space for is trying to figure out how to get my career to a place where I feel like I'm finally doing what matters and that if I rearrange that space, I will be unhappy. I told him a million run-on sentences. I told him I am afraid I will not accomplish what I need to in my life and we will not have a baby and then both of us will be unhappy. I told him I feel out of control with all of it, but it's all my responsibility. Here's the deal. He has agency in his own life and in our relationship, so inviting him into this crisis of self and time brought instant levity. He gets to decide if he wants to stay in a marriage where children aren't a part of the equation, he pointed out. If we decide to have a baby together, that is something we are doing together. If I have to go away for work sometimes, then I'm a parent who goes away for work sometimes. Being a good parent isn't reliant upon being physically present every moment of their life and not having any personal experience. He suggested that I don't have a very positive narrative about myself as a parent. God damn it if he wasn't right. I have never thought fondly of what parenthood might be like for me. I've only thought of the things I will do wrong, of the dark moments and secret resentments, and of how I have to construct the most best right plan for parenting before I consider doing it. There is no daydream about parenting for me, only fear. I do not see how it adds to my life. I only see the obstacles it creates, the ones that I create from it, and that I would be a terrible person to acknowledge those obstacles as anything other than a beautiful part of the parenting experience. He suggested I spend some time exploring what might feel good to me about being a parent. Something I had previously considered selfish and wrong now suddenly sounded so reasonable and responsible. If it's something you want to do, you get to do it in a way that works for you, he added. And if you discover that it's not something you want to do, we need to talk about it so I can process my ideas about our future. 
It's so obvious. The idea that becoming a parent is an experience that needs to work for you as much as your baby, but I had never considered it as a truth until that moment. Parallel to that is my recent determination to take more agency over the development of my creative career by making my own work. A decision I have resisted for many years as the specter of fear and failure has been too powerful. Everyone has cautioned, you can never be ready, and there is no right time. I will not say they are wrong. They most certainly are correct. What I will say is that bringing another human being into the world is an action you cannot take back. If you know in the core of your being that you are not ready to make space for that action, and you have the privilege to be elective about it, you should listen to yourself. In this race against time, as a woman of a certain age, I'm considering my position. I'm considering that regarding my development as a creative professional trying to fulfill my purpose, I have been acting defensively, positioning myself to receive and respond to opportunities that come to me. I'm considering that regarding being a human being with a stance on whether or not to make a family, I have been acting defensively developing feelings and plans based on the most right way to raise a child and thusly safeguarding us all from failure. I have been living defensively because it is easier to stay safe that way. I will not fail myself that way. I will not fail others and I will avoid the possible and darkest truth. I have nothing of value to contribute to the world or my family. The oppressive nature of this new time is challenging my defensive living. It is requiring that I practice bravery in living offensively, or watch the clock run down in the powerless solitude of my small boat. It is indicating that it will be painful, but that perhaps there is no other way to get through it. Because in living defensively, I have worked to do the most best right thing at all times to ensure no one fails and no one gets hurt. But I have still witnessed enough traumas and personal failures to see that it is not working. I do not want to live offensively and yet I have to try because the oppression of the new time is very real. On Friday, my friend told me that I am in a period of rebirth that I am shaking the last bits of my proverbial shell from myself, that it is not going to be over, not for a while, but when it is, I will be stronger and clearer and ready to do what's next. After weeks of metabolizing this, of living offensively in the new time and being made physically ill from it, I see that she is right. I see also a truth that I've wanted to avoid admitting while writing this because I hope to be a better writer than one who would say what I'm about to say. But I cannot, and perhaps am not, so here is that truth. In order to give birth to a career of value or another human being, I must first give birth to my best, bravest self. You did it. And that's that. That's the story. I did it. That's the story. Thanks for sticking around.
It's a great story. Thanks. It's a great piece of writing. Um, Part of why I wanted to share it is that um, I have felt a lot of uh, polarization in in the issue of parenthood as a, a particularly, I guess, as a woman. Mm-hmm. People either want to or they don't want mm-hmm. to. This position that I'm in of not like not knowing how it all fits is. I would imagine an experience that other people are having, and I just thought that it might be nice to feel like you're not alone. Um, Yeah. Because it's... It's a a hard... It's a hard place to be in. Yeah. She's definitely not crying right now. BRB. <laughs> Move chair. All right. So, All right. so I think um like it is my own fault that I feel um called to a career where I have very little agency over my success. Um both like monetarily and otherwise however i have to do it right and um i don't know how to leverage making progress in that area with um making progress in family life while um time is really really closing in on me um and uh, that that week of my life that I that I wrote about in this essay you just heard was a very confusing week, and <laughs> I did a lot of crying and a lot of talking yeah. to Kendra about it. And it wasn't until she made the the egg metaphor of shaking the little bits of your shell off of yourself that I realized I think I think that I'm hitting a pivot point. Yeah. And um it's been very interesting to be reflecting recently about how it's been a year because um I don't I'm not I, I don't have a You don't have a more definitive answer. No. Yeah. I was gonna say let's do a check in, let's do yeah. like a quick re you know, a recap of so you went to Margaret's birthday party one year ago, you had mm-hmm. this like big life moment mm-hmm. and you just went to Margaret's birthday party again. Uh huh. And and you don't you're not feeling like there's like much has changed, which is right. not bad. I want to make sure I, you know. I will say that um, while I had a great time at Margaret's second birthday, yeah, the feeling of solitude that I that I felt that was um, very strong uh, while being around like some of my oldest closest Best friends. friends um, that was not a feeling that I had this time. This time, so yeah, that's tight. That it, in itself is some cool. I mean, yeah, it's been a long year of like work and yeah, therapy and blah blah blah. But yeah. it's, um, I think sometimes it's nice to have those mile markers because it forces you to check in. Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't write that story mm-hmm. and didn't 
remember you know like if you just kind of let it pass by you Mm -hmm. then you'd have no judgment of where you're at or if there was any growth or if there's no growth or whatever yeah whereas like having the mile marker makes it easy to be able to have a a check-in with yourself yeah and so I, i i think that's cool i think that's like it's cool that you felt more like at home in the place at that birthday party than you did Mm. the previous year though that also doesn't have to mean anything right it doesn't mean like oh it took one year and i like feel more like i'm ready to be around kids and and interact with my parent friends and not feel so alone means i'm ready to have a kid like that's not what that 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 equation isn't that right it's just that things have changed yeah and it's going to probably continue to be a long journey of Mm. figuring out what what any of it means yeah yeah um the the discovery that i have no idea what i want as a parent like Mm -hmm. what kind of parent i i want to be that works for me Mm -hmm. was really interesting because i didn't know i had no idea i wasn't thinking about that right all you were thinking about was just that you didn't what i was gonna do wrong right and that and that you you were too focused on like the the negative aspects yeah. of it to be able to even start thinking about any p- potential positive. Right. And similarly in my career I have been I had been very focused on being um a participant and not a creator. I think like Kendra and I always laugh at people calling themselves a creative. Um but but in I, the last year you've I, I realized, yeah, that I I don't think I I can't count on doing what is important to me. Yeah. Um, unless I'm doing it myself. Right. In the last year, you've really put a lot of work into. Uh, I don't know how you phrased it in your being on the offensive, yeah, like yeah. being on the offensive of your career, and being like, well, I guess if 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 no one is gonna invite me to do this thing with them, I'm gonna have to do it on my own, and I think it's been working out pretty all right what i've discovered in both of those regards is that it just takes a lot of time yeah i mean it's taken also i guess if we want to be transparent about it for the listeners it's taken a year for you to write and co-direct a prologue yeah to uh, like what how many minutes is it it's like five minutes max yeah five minute prologue to a, a a potential uh, full-length film yeah and it's like it's taking you one year to get to that yep. point so we're not saying that all it takes <laughs> is a year i mean it's taken you know it's it's a long process but being in the driver's seat of that process is way 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 better for you i think personally yeah than <clears throat> waiting waiting for someone to make a decision for you it's felt i mean it's incredibly uncomfortable you know mm-hmm. um but i think that there's um there is a truth to the fact that I uh, I am a writer who has not been writing and um, that I have like tools at my disposal or things that I maybe sort of like more naturally, um, uh, what's the word? Good at? Sure. But, but like a yeah. fancier word for that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That there are strengths I have. Oh, there we go. That I'm not utilizing. Right. That uh, because I'm afraid of failing. Right, right. And and so 
you know, yeah, like deciding to activate those parts of myself and make the commitment to grow and learn. And uh, also the thing is, is make your own choice instead of being afraid about what will happen if you make the choice. You've tried to be better about making the choice and seeing the potential positives. Right. I think that's even like this damn episode. Like Carly came over and we were not on the same page. And then she was like, oh, shit, I thought I was going to read that thing. And I was like, oh, shit, I thought you were going to do this. And then and then it took a long time for you to decide to read that. But ultimately, it was the right choice. And that's why I made you choose to do it. Because I yeah. was like, you, I, it's not my story. You have to want to do it. Yeah. And you have to also, I feel like that was really tight that Thanks, you did man. that. So nice Thanks. work. It's... I was on my phone the whole time. And I <laughs> halfway through, I had to let her know that I wasn't on my phone. I was reading along. Mm to the story i definitely thought she was on instagram no i was reading (laughs) along to the story um yeah it's hard to to be vulnerable dude yeah well we we told you it was coming and so here's a little bit did give you a warning yeah um that did i say that my therapist called it an identity crisis you haven't said that yet but you just said it now so 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 (laughs) Uh, and probably in like talking about this time last year, my therapist told me I, I was having an identity crisis, which is a term that I think has a connotation that um, was not the connotation she was using. You told me that like a couple weeks ago. Do you remember? What? That you're having? Yes. Yeah. Kendra is currently in an identity crisis, <laughs> which I can't wait for us to dedicate an yeah. episode to. I'm not there yet, but yeah, it may be happening. Um, I, yeah, and I think that, like, uh, I think that life is, uh, is, is really hard, and the journey of being a human being can feel really lonely, and I think that getting in touch with, like, what you, you really need, or, and what you want to contribute, um, is scary and um, sometimes that makes things feel more lonely and I hope that in me talking about my shit maybe you uh, feel less alone yep um, and I think it's gonna take a long time to figure this out when she told me when my therapist told me I was having an identity crisis I was like okay well is this can we just is this going to last like 2 weeks or yeah how long how long is this going to take yeah um and while I don't feel like I'm in a crisis about it there's definitely still the processing right you know um right i i i think i think the term identity crisis is a is a bit of a has a has a connotation to yeah, it that people don't like but i think it's also Sometimes just truly what is happening, and it's okay. Yeah. You hit a major crossroads when your, like, needs and ideals collide with your reality. I guess maybe it's the word crisis that people cling to. I think if it was called, like, an identity upset, (laughs) it might be easier. Yeah. Yeah. Identity uh, confusion. Yeah. Or, no... That sounds bad, too. Yeah, that's not correct. I think identity uh, upset. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that for myself. When, like, the core, when the major components of who you are... Start to change. Yes. And you discover that those, in the in the major arenas of your life, you are not who you want to be or where you want to be. That is 
An identity crisis. An identity upset. An identity upset. Just a, a little upset. Yeah. We're going to get right through it. Just a little upset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, if you were listening. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We, I think know. it's cool to... to um, I think it's cool that you are so tight about being open and sharing all your shit. It's going to take me a lot longer. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there. Everybody Meanwhile... has their own journey. Uh... We did get an email this week. We did. And before we run out of time, I'd like to read it. Yes. And I think we're still working on what to call this segment. Mm-hmm. So for right now, I'm just going to call it Mailbag. Great. And we'll we'll work on it. We need some kind of audio clip sound of like opening yeah. a mail. Oh, yeah, or like a... <laughs> or maybe a paper shredder. Yeah, or, or like the... <laughs> yeah, whatever that sound is. I don't know. I don't know what that sound <laughs> is, but... Maybe that sound is the That's audio the clip that you're going to have to listen to now every week. Uh, mailbag. Okay. We got an email from a friend. Yeah. Which is great. Which is great. Uh, the email doesn't say if I can use the person's name, so I'm just not going to. Yeah, let's not. The subject is hot pants. <laughs> Okay, I'm emailing you rather than texting you, A, to make it more exciting for you as the recipient, and B, I don't have Carly's phone number, so I'm resigning to the OG group chat. (laughs) (laughs) I like, also, that's a preface to the email. Here comes the actual email. Okay, stop with the Ross. Two years ago, I started a routine where about every two months, I carve out a couple hours to go to Marshall's and sift through the beauty products, Googling the (gasps) reviews for every single thing. Pretty much every Beautify product I use multiple serums no gold is from marshall's i have found some of my favorite things there whoop, whoop. so apparently Love you're it. looking in the wrong section hit, hit the marshall's secondary note to the email also i'm fairly certain her partner i'm not going to use the name mm. has at least one if not two to three pairs of Kirkland pants. <laughs> I think there is some correlation between that and driving Chrysler's. Okay, that's all. Love you. Oh, that's um, oh, that's so funny. So many things here. But I find it I find it very interesting that Marshall's is where you may be wanting to hit up. No, I feel like what she's saying is, like, stop with the Ross. Like, get out of here. You do it, too. Oh, yeah. I thought she meant, like, stop going there. No. You need to stop going there. I don't know. If if we're, if we're Clarify, if you want. Yeah, clarify but if you want. I will say that I... Maybe um, she wants you to do both. Yeah. Historically, I have checked the Marshall's situation out, and it feels very similar to Ross. Mm, cool. It is the Shadowlands I of feel like beauty you, products. Yeah, you yeah. guys can swap some good info. Yeah. Uh, second note, the Kirkland pants. You know who you are if you're listening. I don't know if you're listening to this or not. Yeah. Another friend texted us and was like, you know who wears Kirkland brand pants? Oh, God. I never know. I know. See? Yeah. It does, it's it's hard. I. But anyways, we, we have out, two friends we have, now. Yes. We found out that we have two friends who wear Kirkland pants. And I guess I will say, both of these people we hang out with kind of semi-regularly or yeah. see at least semi-regularly yeah. and I've never noticed. Same. So maybe I'm wrong about the Kirkland brand. My follow-up to this is I need to see a pic of you in the Kirkland pants. So yep. send an email. We'll, send us we'll, your fashion. Um, if you send us an email, just to, just let us know if we can use your name and let us know if you are going to include a picture of you in the pants if we can post the pic. Um, oh, yeah. We would love to do that. I will let you guys know 
to tune in next week. We have some juicy content coming. Oh, yeah. We got a response from someone who needs an uplifting message from Lynn McManus, and we are going to deliver. If you're listening this week, um, I messaged you and I told you we would let you know when we have a response. We do not. But we will deliver. My mom is on it. We will deliver the response. And if you, too, need an uplifting email, text, yeah. voice, thought. From my mom. From Carly's mom. Uh, we will deliver. So yeah. just Send shoot us, us an email. Yeah. Doing, doing good at good. gmail.com. Um, or hit us up in the DMs. Yep. Instagram. Doing a good. Um, yeah. So we've got, I gave her a hard deadline. I think she's a Which little I love. nervous. She was like, well, what do I say? And we're going to read it on the on the pod. Yep. So. so stay tuned, stay for, tuned that. for that next week. And did we have anything else? Do you have anything else? Uh, no, but if you if you email us in the next few days about wanting a text from my mom, we can get that into the next into episode Into the next rotation, well. yeah. So um, get on it. Uh, Kendra, since we talked so much about me... Um, I'm wondering if you have a doing a good that you want to share. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I was trying to think about it while you were yeah. uh, doing your good, which I think we can both agree was being vulnerable and reading that thing, yeah. you know, for yeah. the whole world to hear here on this <laughs> giant world. podcast that we do. Um, <laughs> Mostly just Karen's. Karen. Uh, Karen? Ken- Who's Karen? Kendra's parents. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Deb and Jeff out there representing. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Do I don't, know? I don't really don't think I have one. Yeah. Do you think I have one? <laughs> yeah, I do. I think you, well, I'm going to toss a couple out there. Okay. Okay. First off, doing a good is for you that you um are really uh, careful, not careful. You're really conscious about making yourself available to be like supportive to me in this like processing of this journey. In 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 you know in my experience, you are showing up in a way that um, right is consistently above and beyond. I see where you're coming from there, and I appreciate it, and thank you. But I also don't. I think it's a doing a good that like, sure, like I'm being a good person by like being there as a friend. However, like, I don't think it, I think that's just how people should be. Yeah. So, yeah, but- so I don't want to call too much attention to it, you All know, because right. it's like, I'm Fair like, enough. that's just, so what's your next All one? All right. Well, the other, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, the other one is that um, we just released a new cocktail menu at work and oh. um, I developed the cocktails and Kendra does the design and She's like very humble and quiet about her design abilities, but she really nailed it. And um, she tried some new things and it was really beautiful and impressive. And she just works so hard on that stuff and doesn't talk about it. And the menu looks (laughs) freaking great. Thanks. You're welcome. I'll accept that as my doing good for the week. Yeah, good. I'm not going to talk about it myself, though. No, I know. I am just going to let you quietly compliment me, though. She did so good. And, I did a great job. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't have... In my notes I'm looking at on my phone, I don't have anything. I guess I moved my bed into the middle of the oh room. Oh, my God, that's right. We were going to talk about that. We were. And I'll keep it brief. Basically, Alex has been wanting to move our bed into the middle of the room, so there's a walkway on both sides. I don't have a preference. I actually kind of like sleeping against the wall. 
But it has become increasingly an issue. Hot button issue. It's kind of a hot button issue in the household because I come home from work late and I have to like do this awkward crawl up through the bed <laughs> to get to my side and Jerry's always in the damn way and it's just kind of been a pain. So the Obstacle other, course. The other day I finally, I moved it. I texted Alex a picture. He was ecstatic. Um, yeah, so now... It looks good. Now they're full it's, adults. Yeah, so full adults. Oh, Alex had sent me this meme about how when you move your bed into the middle of the room, it's like full adulting. So... We're going for it. We're trying yeah. it. It seems good. Do you feel more like more like an adult? You know what's nice for me is that I'm a little closer to the TV. Mm. Like the TV's more centered to me. Yeah. Um. So in that way, sure. It's <laughs> it's nice. Um. I don't have many results. It's only been a couple nights. Okay. Too early for test results. I haven't closed the bar yet since That'll I did it. That'll be yeah. Doing the old 3 a.m. crawl into bed will yeah. be... We'll find out tomorrow. I'll report back next week. But I guess that was a doing it good. Yeah. Do you... Is your bed on a frame? It's on a frame. Okay. See, I feel like that's also a really Yeah, you don't have thing. a frame, do you? Nope. Our bed is on the floor. But I'll tell you why. It's because of the dogs. They yeah, can't well, jump up there. I kind of disagree with that. I think Walter can. No. Yes. No, we had a bed on a frame and he would get Walter. That's because Walter's stubborn. No, he would get like halfway up and then fall back. <sighs> he couldn't get his, he could only get half of his body up there and he'd always But he can over. jump on the couch. I think Walter's stubborn and he's being a little bitch about it. Ooh. Calling you out, Walter. Dude, yeah, Walter. Because he can get on the couch. <sighs> yeah. Can't he? I wonder what the height difference would be. I don't know. I don't know. But well, also you have a box spring. Yeah. So we don't have a box spring, but See? we have a frame, mm-hmm. which is I think kind of what you're supposed to do. I actually don't understand how that works. <laughs> I don't know when you're supposed to have a box spring versus when you're not. But our bed is fine, and we don't need a box spring, and it's comfortable. Yeah, there's like some. I don't understand the rules about that either. But I think there are like etiquette rules about it. Yeah. I think maybe the etiquette is that you're supposed to have a box spring. Yeah. But there are some beds like you have a Casper. We have a, no. We have a tuft and needle. Tuft and needle. Those kinds of beds are made, I think, with the to not to have, not a, have box a box spring. spring. But most mattresses are made to have a box. No, this is boring. this is stupid. Wow. We're gonna get out of here. All right. You know what, you guys? <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for sticking around. We cut ourselves off. Yeah. Um, this has been great. See you next week. Don't forget to send us an email. Write us a review. Smash the like button. Yeah. Uh, oh. Whatever else. That's it. Yeah. Live. Do tell us how you're doing a good. I would love to hear that. Oh yeah. If yeah. you feel like you're doing a good, um, let us know. Let us know. And we want to share it. And we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. Always just let us know if we can talk about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.